0: Good afternoon. Um, it's quite a switch there. But uh, I think a conference talking about complexity, human behavior, and technology is the perfect platform to talk about play, about digital play, and about child-centered design. My name is Shuli Gillitz, and I work both in industry and academia to look at how children interact with technology and how to create better products for kids. So what is child-centered design? so that's one example so this is actually this is a clip taken at a mall in barcelona uh, where there's a projected uh, playground in the center of the mall so while the parents shop the kids can play and for me, it's a wonderful example of, of a great play experience. Kids are laughing and jumping and running around and just enjoying themselves. Is it digital play? Is it play? Um, that's a very good question. Did you all want to try it and jump in? That's a good sign. So we hear play is changing. We hear see these headlines, we hear parents talking about it. But is it really changing? And I encourage you to think about it because if we see this picture of traditional play and kids jumping, isn't that similar to the way the kids were playing in that virtual pond inside a mall? Play is core to child development. So this picture was taken in my kid's school last year and this is just recess and kids playing around kind of like the way we played when we were growing up. So the fact that kids have technology today doesn't change a lot about play but we need to be able to see that. So it plays nature's way of helping children develop, both physically, to learn how to move, how to hold on, how to balance, both socially, to learn how to collaborate, to compete, to be alone. Emotionally, to learn how to fail, to succeed, to worry, to try again, and cognitively, to learn. Plays an amazing learning tool to learn skills and content and just the love of learning when we look at children playing with technology, we see a lot of differences between their user experiences UX and adult user experience. Uh, this image was taken from um, an article last year that came about voice interfaces, which is kind of the big thing um, in ux and um, they were looking at how kids were playing with Alexa. And they found out that kids were doing different things. For example, they were asking silly questions, playing jokes, and actually even being rude to Alexa. And this prompted a lot of parents, uh, especially in the U.S., to say, wait a second, Amazon should do something about this. Maybe encourage positive behavior. Encourage kids to say thank you and please... But then another voice came out and said, wait a second, maybe we shouldn't do that. Maybe kids should learn that Alexa is not human and how to distinguish between addressing a human and addressing a bot. Maybe that's more important for their future. So it's hard to know. But these kind of interactions start a whole new discussion about technology that we don't see with adults. So when we talk about children's user experience, there are five main differences. First of all, there's age appropriate design. So we have different developmental stages, and each stage affords different capabilities, uh, different interests, and different motivations. Motivation is a big one because children's motivation for using technology is very different than that of adults. So that will also foster a different user experience. The generation gap is something it's very important for us to think about because we are digital immigrants, and for us, every new technology that comes out is. Novel and exciting and scary. While most children born today are digital natives, born into an online connected world and take these things for granted. That doesn't mean they come with a degree in computer science, but it's just that they treat the technology different. And that's something we have to think about. And how do we do that? With age-appropriate research methods. So these are the methods that we use to work with kids during the design process to understand their world. And finally, there's the issue of ethics. Ethics is a very hot topic, both in the adult world and the kids' world. And some of the talks this morning actually touched upon this. We've been hearing a lot about this in the past couple of years. And when we talk about children, we understand it's even more critical because their whole future can be determined by a few little things that can happen now in their interaction, with digital interfaces. So fortunately, there are a lot of legal um, rules and and regulations that force uh, people designing online products for kids uh, to keep kids safe, like COPA in the US, the GDPR in the EU, and there have been recent regulations in China and India and in other countries. However, those aren't perfect. There are loopholes. Some could be fixed. Some can never be fixed because of the way the system works. So designers need to take this and act upon it. I have to say that the panel I'll be talking with today is like a dream team. When I saw who my panelists would be, I thought, this is amazing. And people from Ikea, from Lego, these people really take ethics seriously and use child-centered design to create wonderful products. The problem is most of the industry doesn't. And business decisions trump ethics. And that is a real problem when looking at kids' products. So last January, a group of 70 designers, researchers, child professionals met together in Helsinki, together with people from UNICEF, and created a new association that is aiming to think about how we can design products for kids better, aligning with children's rights. If you're aware of the children's rights, it's a a UNICEF uh, Uh, started a program in 1989 that's accepted globally, and we're trying to figure out how we can match those up with products for kids. So I'll talk about the 10 principles we came up with, and we're still working on this, and you're all welcome to join the association. So the first um, guideline is the right to inclusion. Children should be able to find themselves within the product, no matter their age, Ethnicity, culture, uh, disability, anything. They should be able to see themselves and their family there. There's so many studies about the power of representation in media. And we really want children to be able to do that. This uh, screenshot is from uh, Toka Life, from the company Tokaboka, Swedish company. And if you're not familiar with it, um, Tokaboka's applications are wonderful, I highly recommend them, and they really take ethics seriously uh, throughout their products. And they're also beautifully designed, but that's another thing. So these are the characters in Toka Life, in one of the Toka Life uh, products. So the second right is the right to development. Applications should support um, exploration for growth. This is an example from an application of a company called Sago Mini, which is from Canada. And it's aimed for toddlers, and it promotes their independence with uh, age-related content. So it really lets toddlers play on their own in topics that are interesting to them. The next uh, guideline is the right to participation. Children should be able to participate both in the design process and the product itself. We have two great examples here. One you may be familiar with, the cat over there is the Scratch Cat. Scratch is a visual programming language for kids developed at MIT Media Lab. And it allows kids to create their own games. But not only kids are creators and not only consumers, but they can post the game online for other kids all over the world to play with. So we're creating this whole big community of participation. Similarly, we have these characters down there from Toontastic which is another uh, product, this application allows kids to create their own cartoons. They use their own drawings, and they add sound and music, and they can also publish and share their cartoons with other children. The right to protection. So ideally, when we make products for kids, we make them safe. Kids have to know they're protected when they're playing a game, an application, or go on a website, the same way they would be in a playground. Somebody thought about how to make it a safe environment for them. However, sometimes you can't account for everything. So we have to allow for kids to know what to do when something happens where they don't feel safe. And this is a great example from Club Penguin, even though Club Penguin has changed recently. Um, where you can report a penguin or another player that's not acting in a good way. So if another penguin is saying bad words, asking you for personal information, being rude or mean, and has a bad penguin name, and you know what that means, then you can report them. You see there's a little icon, and you report them. And that goes over to a moderator, a human, which looks at everything that happened, and if they find it true, they ban that player. And if they find that this was a false report, you may be banned. So this allows kids to feel safer because they know that if something bad happens, there's something they can do about it. The right for privacy. So we understand the importance of privacy online, and we're all kind of thinking about how we can promote that from the digital footprint to people abusing children's private information. And children don't always understand what it means, uh, private information. What information should I give and what information can't I give? So Lego Life is, is Lego's um, social and application for children where they can share their pictures of their Lego creations. And they solve this in a very nice way. So first of all, when you look at your user profile, your avatar, you can't put pictures of yourself. They're all only minifigs, Lego minifigs, where you can kind of personalize them to look whatever you want. So nobody can see who you are or get any of your personal details. Also, when children want to communicate with each other and chat, you can do that only with Lego emojis. So there's no letters or words. So you can't get out your address, your age, or any other private information you may give. So this is a great way to solve it, and children really enjoy using this app. The right to leisure and play. So with all these issues of uh, privacy and development, play for the sake of play is really important. Just having that time to chill, to enjoy, to delight with all the different play patterns, and you'll hear more about later in the talks. So to have apps that offer good play, beautiful, just time to take off is, is great. And this is just one example. Of course, there are plenty of those. Monument Valley... Uh, is a beautiful play experience for kids and adults with nice characters, the stories, no spoilers, but there's a girl and there's her mother and without getting into it, you should try it. So the right to a community, and we're at number seven now. We have the stereotype of a child sitting in front of a computer, isolated from the world, his eyes only on the screen. But whoever... If you ever watch kids when they use technology, you know it's exactly the opposite of what happens there. So most of the time, kids play with their friends, either with their friends next to them or with their friends online. So design for multiplayer experiences. It could be your friends, it could be your siblings, it could be your cousin living in a different city, it could be your grandma who likes to play with you and build a garden online. But incorporate that in the play, whether competitive or collaborative have uh, kids build a community. And the example here is from Minecraft, which is obviously an incredible community. And whoever hasn't tried it, I highly recommend it, where kids build um, virtual cities and worlds uh, with their friends online. Oh, and also there are monsters, but that's a whole other thing. So the right to my information. Going back to... Uh, privacy by design principles, we know that um, we must use only the minimal amount of information. And companies today aren't allowed to gather information of children. But in case they do collect this information, children should know about it. They should be aware about it so they can act and make an informed decision if they want to give out that information. So actually, I have an example from a company who's not for kids, but they have a nice solution, and it's something that kids use a lot. And this is Snapchat. So this is my Snapchat account. I'm not that active, but it's good to show you the example. So the whole idea of Snapchat was you post something and it disappears after 24 hours. And that's how you can post tons of stuff and, and it disappears. But of course, for every idea, there's a hack. And people would hack that and then take a screen capture of your post. And that way, they can keep it forever and they can forward it. So whatever private information you posted there could be uh, widely spread. So what Snapchat did, and I'll show you here, I'm talking to my friend, Adi, and I sent her a personal message. It's a picture, my dog and me. And she responded saying something. And when she responded, I took a screen capture of her response. And this is the message she got. Snapchat tells you when somebody takes a screen capture of your your posts. So they can't prevent it because it's a technical thing from the actual device but they can let you know, and that's important. Kids need to know, someone just took a screenshot of what you did. Your private information is not yours privately anymore, and that's very, very important. So the right to healthy life. I could talk about this for a long time, a whole other talk, but there are two things I wanna talk about in healthy life. First of all, uh, the idea to go outside, to enjoy the outdoors and the second, physical activity. And a lot of times, these two things are uh, posted as the opposite of technology, in which they are not. So, Pokemon Go is a great example. I mean, two years ago, everybody was walking around in the streets looking for Pokemons. And what Pokemon Go was able to do was actually get kids to convince their parents to walk in the neighborhood on their own, which is a big deal these days. And they were outside. And the other picture here is from Just Dance, which is a wonderful gaming, uh, console gaming uh, game, where whole families can dance together, sweat up, sing, uh, have fun, and move and be very physically active indoors. If it's raining outside, if it's dark, or if you just want to hang out. Our last principle is the right to be heard. So children should be heard in the design process and in the products themselves. This is an example of a product that's not for kids per se, but it's about kids. So Common Sense Media is an American company that has a recommendation service. So parents, if they want to find out if a video game is too violent, if a movie is age appropriate, they can go on their website and put in the name of the product and get a response and hear more about that particular product. So you get an expert review saying, oh, this book is for age blah, 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 it contains all this stuff. And then you get a parental review, what parents thought about it, and then you get a kid's review. And it's really neat because you can compare the different reviews. So let's say experts would say, this is for age 10 and above, and the parents would be like, yeah, 9, 10, sort of. And then the kids would be like, "Ah, this is for 8. And they explain why. So it's really informative to learn and hear their voice and their opinions about it. So childhood keeps changing. Childhood today does not look like our childhood, and it will keep on changing. I don't know how. So how do we know if kids are playing, if they're having a good time, if they're safe? We have to talk to them. Anybody who's working with kids or designing for kids must play with kids, sit with them, talk to them, get to know them. That is the only way you can have true child-centered design. So child-centered design, let me sum it up. We have play, not digital play, but just play the way kids see it. We have a unique UX, a user experience that's different qualitatively from adults' user experience. We have children's rights, which we try to adhere to in the 10 principles of design. And we involve kids before, during, and after the design process. You should play too. It's important for you too. But that's a whole other talk. Thank you.